You're listening to Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to this show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I am your host, Brent Bergherm, and today I am joined by Levi Sim. Levi, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yes, I'm super thrilled that you were able to make it on and talk with us about these couple of things. The title of the show is Different Ways of Shooting Macro, and we'll get into why I titled that in a moment. But uh, before we get too far along into that without just saying hi, tell me what you've been up to these days. Oh, man, spring is awesome this year, and it's been really it's been really long. Seems like middle of february through through right now has just been really springy today was gorgeous like yeah. 70 degrees with a nice cool breeze the grass is green the desert is green nice maybe it makes it not a desert i don't know but i'm I'm hiking and hunting and photographing and having a great time oh so. that yes that's awesome I, I went camping last week yeah nice I, I packed two times we took the kids camping and then i backpacked up on a on a ridge last week so Oh, that's thrilling to hear because, you know, in so many places here in Washington and Oregon, they've actually closed all these trails and it's just driving me crazy. Yeah, you, because you, know, you wouldn't want people out there feeling healthy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a, I was nervous of what you were going to say for like half a second. <laughs> and then you said feeling healthy. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. And yeah, the, the ability to get out there and stay healthy, get some exercise, that's just so good. That's just wonderful things. And today, you know, you talk about the spring, my son was putting his jacket on to go outside and I was just like, you're not going to need that. Yeah, it's <laughs> gorgeous. He, he looked at me and he's like, whatever, dad. And he decided to trust me and it was right. I, I was right. Uh, it was definitely gorgeous today. Beautiful day just sunny and, and wonderful. And that's always good to, to have that kind of weather coming through. And, um, so you've been out and hunting you, and, and doing some stuff. That's good. Yeah. And you and I live in similar environments and yeah, and this is like the best time of year to be in the Hills. This is when the, the grassy, like the grassy gray brown Hills that are brown and gray the rest of the year right. are just so vibrant right now. Yeah, for about three and a half, four weeks, if we're lucky, they're kind of green and yeah. it's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and what is see, we're probably around middle of May at the very latest, they'll start drying out and get all brown. And yeah. that's where we, we go up north into the Palouse. And that's right exactly. when the wheat is just like going like awesome and uh, through mid-June. So, so that's only you know, two I hours drive for me. So. I haven't, I haven't shot up there. I mean, it's only, I don't know. It's probably four, maybe six hours for me. Yeah. Not it's that bad. probably going to be about four and a half to six, depending on exactly where, what it's, road I guess you take. But, um, and especially with gas prices right now, Oh my I goodness, mean, they're, yeah. they're low. Like it's yeah. two bucks right here. Somebody texted me yesterday. It's a dollar 12 in Wisconsin. I mean, Oh my, I haven't seen it that low in 20 years. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So yeah, if you ever, uh, if you ever want to go on a shoot, you know, because that also is in the middle of nowhere right. and, and we could easily stay away from everybody while we go out and shoot. We can take different cars. 
<laughs> I don't think we have to go that far. My wife has been <laughs> making masks. You know, I, I'd be willing to wear one for you. I've got a Batman mask. <laughs> nice. Good. <laughs> I've also got a ski mask. So, you know, perfect. Double up. You can knock over some banks, whatever. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I did pay some those, pay for those lens rentals you're doing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Pay for some more, maybe. Well, I did some other stuff today, which actually is part of our uh, it's part of the stuff we're actually talking about. And that's why we're here. So let's get on into this whole thing for why we're here. And that is macro photography. So oh, yeah, even before yeah. we get into the details of what we're wanting to talk with on, on our shoots, because uh, we have two very different shoots and that's why I called it you know, different ways of shooting macro. The approaches that we took could probably not be more different, but we each got some really close up images. And that's basically what macro is about. How would you, in like a sentence or two, how do we even describe macro for someone who's not really gone into it uh, pretty much at all even? Yeah. And we should probably just say close up photography sure, instead okay. of macro. Yeah. Because I mean, you buy a lens that says macro, like like a 90 millimeter Tamron lens has been like a classic macro lens right, for so long. Right. Or or Nikon's 105 millimeter macro. And, and Sigma has 105 says, and Canon exactly, has 100. Yeah. And so, yeah, right in that range. And then they slap the macro on there. Uh, that's and now a very I can only use popular. a macro because it's got a label on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but those are actually my favorite portrait lenses. Yeah, absolutely. And they happen to. Uh, and all it means is that that lens allows you to focus closely on things. Like yeah. if if I was if I was shooting film and this is a, this is an easy way to consider what true macro is like one to one ratio. If I if I took a picture of a dime and I was shooting true macro at a one colon one semi semicolon right one okay. semicolon one i think it's uh, the two dots <laughs> the two dots the two vertical dots <laughs> i i promise i'm a writer um, <laughs> if i, I promise if I i'm a, a photographer picture, and i don't know so i'm just gonna admit it <laughs> so if i took a picture of a dime at a one-to-one -one ratio and then i took the film out of my camera and laid it on the table you could take that dime and set it on the film and it would be the same size Right. So we're getting that exact same physical size representation on exactly. our, in this case, digital set. sensors. Which, which then with digital, we, we can obviously blow up to much larger. But that, I mean, that's what like one to one macro means. And you'll see on your lens, it says like one to six or one to two. or And that, that means it's not fully one to one. It doesn't really matter. Right. It just lets you focus closely to stuff. Right. It's not quote unquote true macro. And yeah. Even when you get, because you shoot on a on the micro four thirds camera, right? That whole idea of getting that true one to one, even on full frame, but it's not. That's not exactly what we're necessarily talking about. It's not like yeah, you don't have a good photograph unless you have it true macro. That's not what we're <laughs> right. saying. It's immaterial. That's what. That's why like close up is really what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So with the with the idea of getting close focus, especially on these macro lenses as they designate the macro, I, that's why I like the extra value of those lenses because not only do they work as your normal lens and you can use them as your portrait lens or what have you, but they do have that capability of just focusing so close yeah. compared to other lenses of that length or or whatever. Absolutely, and I mean you do pay for it. That's that's one of the things you're paying for in those like a uh 
I think when I bought that 105 millimeter macro from Nikon, I think it was like a, a $1,500 lens. And no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things you're paying for is that close focus ability. It's got some interesting things about it. Like when you're focused closely to stuff, you can stop down to like F45 in that lens, which, yeah. which isn't changing the, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't actually change the size of the aperture. It's just changing the focal relationship, which changes the F value. It's pretty, it's an interesting thing that probably we don't need to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's, we kind of, I kind of do sort of had a little bit of experience with that a little bit on the lens that I rented, but mm -hmm. I decided it wasn't enough of a, of an issue to even make anything about it, it where it yeah. feels like yeah. it changes that F value. But you wrote an article. And also, I, before I even say that, I want to tell people we're actually going to put from here on out, we're going to put this portion as a screen capture video on the Facebook group for Master Photography Podcast. So uh, I'll have the article there. We can see the pictures that Levi is talking about. You can literally hear us talking and whatnot. And when we get to the item that I'm talking about, we're going to hop into Lightroom and we're going to see those items in Lightroom. And I've even had some videos that I want to play and just kind of looking at those. So I'll do my best to describe everything here for the audio listeners only. But just know we're also going to have this extra bonus type feature, if you want to call it that, there in the, the Facebook group. And I just want to invite you guys to watch it there as well. So... Uh, you wrote an article, Levi, about using AFC while doing macro. And what's right. going on here? Why? What's this deal with this AFC? In fact, you titled the article. I'm looking for your title. Are you nuts? <laughs> you can't use AFC for macro photography? Exclamation mark. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, AFC is, is autofocus continuous. If you're a Canon user, it's probably AI servo that you're looking for. And the, that is designed for moving subjects so that it, it continually changes the focus from the time that you, that you press the button halfway down to focus like a, like on a soccer player that's running towards you on the field. You, if you focus in AFC or, or one shot, then by the time you, you finish taking the picture, your subject is already two feet closer. And now he's actually out of focus with the ball. And, and so the focus is behind your subject and that's really frustrating. So, uh, the AFC continues to focus even while you're pressing the button to take the picture. And it, it helps to make sure that you've got a moving subject in focus. And but now why course, is that something that you would use for what you're doing here? Yeah. Because I'm moving like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're supposed to lock things down on a tripod and do um, do our, our close-up photography on a tripod, right? Because then you can frame it up and you can, you can get things sharp and crisp. But the fact is that using a tripod is kind of miserable for one thing. <laughs> and a lot of us don't have a, a tripod that is good enough to actually freeze our cameras. If, if I've got a tripod that came as a kit with my camera from B&H or Adorama or something, it's probably worth donating to Goodwill because <laughs> it's not really steady enough yeah. for doing things. And then if you want to change your shot, you have to do all the stuff to change it. Now I love using a, a, a tripod for close up work, but especially 
like considered a rough draft to handhold stuff. You can you can work on compositions and change things really quickly if you're just hand holding your camera. And then when you when you find something that you really want to refine, maybe then you switch to a tripod so that you can be more creative and create more stuff before creating the final, you know, the final draft, if you will. And and so when you're holding your camera, you are not steady and you're 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 wiggling in and out a little bit. You know, you're trying to take a breath and then let it out and then click the button at the right time. But it doesn't always work. And so by using this AFC, you trick your camera into thinking your subject is moving when really it's you moving. But it helps you keep the focus on the exact portion of the picture you want it on. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because when you're shooting macro or close focus, close in like this, your depth of field is very, very shallow. And just the slightest movement that you have is going to cause that element to go out of focus. And suddenly you're focusing on something else that you didn't want to focus on. So by turning on the AFC, that tiniest of movements that you have is negated because the camera is on top of it. Right. If you scroll down a little more on that article, you'll see me standing over my subject, which is a a knife. Yeah, so I was photographing these knives for a guy and it's sitting on a on an elk mount. It's a it's a, a taxidermied elk to use the fur as the back their knives for for hunters. And so, you know, I'm bent over shooting straight down. There is no way I am a holding still kind of platform. Right. <laughs> in this case, but it makes me fast. Like if if I need to to do something quickly, then using a tripod may not be the way to do it. And so it it makes it very quick. And then scroll back up and you'll see a picture of a flower. Like we love to photograph flowers. Yeah, absolutely. I did some of that today. This one on a tripod. Yeah. When you, but when you do it outside or even indoors often, especially if you have kids, the flower is moving. There's a breeze. It is, it is shifting back and forth. And so even using AFC on a flower, is a good idea because it'll it'll keep focus as your flower wiggles around in the frame even when you're on a tripod when your camera's on a tripod so tell me a little bit about this knife picture and you know here we don't have anything moving as far as the subject like the flower would be but which area were you focused on i'm going to guess the logo but uh and then then just walk me through this whole idea of setting up this shot and how that afc helped you yeah, well, so in, in this one, I'm, I'm looking for an interesting composition. And one tip I could give you for for doing your macro and close-up work is don't include the whole subject. Like, you you know, you often want to include that whole flower, but getting closer, crop it, um, imply the whole. So here I've got, go. I've got knives and spoons and spatulas laying across each other, and it's like a kitchen knife and, and serving tools. And um, they're all from Camp Chef. And I was I was actually doing this one during a Facebook Live I did real quick on, on how I do this. And so I wanted the the logo in focus here and it's kind of on an angle. So it's it's not necessarily going to be all on the same plane anyway. And so using the AFC while I'm just hand holding this picture, you know, hand holding the camera allows me to to keep the the little flame in the middle of the, of the logo in, in the sharp focus spot, even though 
I wiggle in and out a little bit. Sure. And it's it's just really proven for me to be a, a a great way to do it. I could have set up my tripod and got it into this, but that would take fully five minutes more. <laughs> and it wasn't worth that to me for this. I'm not being paid to make this picture. I'm just I'm just having fun doing this. And if if I was being paid, you know, if it was for a, a project, I would probably do this exploratory handheld work and then refine it. And, and, you know, then I, I'd pick those compositions that were the very best. And then I would do everything possible to make them their very best. And I would shoot it like this handheld with, with continuous lights on. And so I've got these little loom cubes shining on this thing right now to illuminate the knives. Maybe I would still use those for the final photograph. I may not need to set up a flash to do it, but I would definitely use a tripod and make the option of having more depth of field, which would require a much slower shutter speed. You know, if I'm if I'm going to shoot at f16, which still doesn't make the whole picture in focus when I'm when I'm focused closely, because one of the things that affects depth of field is how close your subject is to the camera. And the closer it is, the less depth of field you've got. So even though I'm shooting it, a very small aperture like f16 or f22 or or f45 i still won't have great depth of field because i'm focused so closely to the camera but i, I would still put it on a tripod stop it down and, and get more depth because that may be what my client ends up needing and the the thing i could do cheap and easy i mean like shallow shallow focus portraits and and shallow focus stuff is really fun to do but it's also just so simple and and kind of kind of blase, if you will, that that maybe I ought to offer something else that makes me a saleable photographer instead of somebody with an iPhone with portrait mode, you know? Right. <laughs> so you are able to select. Certainly what you're doing is you're selecting a small portion of the autofocus sensors that your camera has. And you're just saying, OK, right here is where I want to place the logo. And then you just set your zoom, you set your whatever, and you, you get in and you make that you make that shot. Now I'm curious about what lens are you using? A lens that is designated macro? Are you just using a quote normal lens and get it and you're able to get close in like this already? Or do you have to do something to get closer than what your normal lens is able to uh, get for you? See, we could do all those things, but in this case, this lens was a is is a macro lens. It's a okay. it's a Leica macro lens for micro four thirds. All right, uh, a two point eight lens. the The flower picture here is actually shot with a lens baby on manual focus. Oh, nice! But it proved the point, so I included it in the picture. <laughs> yeah, well, the lens baby. Um, I have one of the, I have the second generation, and I have the third generation. And the third generation well, is the one that looks yeah. like Sputnik, where it has these, <laughs> right. these things well, so that you spin yeah, out. Yeah, there's much more than that now, too. Yeah. And I remember doing a shot like with that, and I was like, I wonder, you know, how close can I focus? And so I was kept pulling that thing out, pulling it further and further, and that got me closer and closer focusing. And I was like, right. this is kind of cool. And then, yeah, of course, like built-in extension tubes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it can just kind of stick there, even though you're kind of sort of stretching that body of that lens, which is flexible, it's still able to 
give you that extra close focusing. And I, I thought that was pretty sweet. It has been forever since I shot that thing. Maybe I'll get <laughs> well, that out this week and I, do that too. I don't think they even make that that style anymore. Now they've got these, um, it's called the composer body. Right. And you can drop all kinds of different lenses into it. Um, and they have built in extension tubes too, like the, all the edge lenses, which is, which are my favorite. They're, they're a tilt lens and they allow you to change the plane of focus, yeah. which is great for macro photography. Yes. And they come with a built in extension tube, which lets you focus much closer. Very cool. Great. Now, is there anything on these other pictures that we want to highlight for how you, how you took those pictures, like these ones with the bullets? There's yeah. Yeah. You know, look the, at that. The look lighting the especially is, is pretty interesting. Yeah. So this, this is just again with two loom cubes and coming from the, the sides and kind of rear. So they're kind of shining toward the camera a little bit. And then I, I use a, a folded envelope just a white envelope as a reflector that's just standing up kind of on camera left to, to give a little more light on that side and not having any light coming directly from the camera gives that dark stripe up the, up the face of the, of the bullet on there. Okay. Uh, so that's why the right side of the bullet is a lot brighter is because we have that loom cubes. Both of those are on that side. And then you have an envelope as a paper envelope as your reflector on the left side. I think, I think I've got, one loom cube on each side. Okay. And then also the envelope on the left side. Okay. And, and the envelope is kind of in front of the, the main bullet, but like you see that, that extra highlight on the bullet laying across the back there. Yeah. That is pretty that bright. One's, that one's kind of, yeah, that one's kind of parallel with the light on the left. Yeah. Okay. And so it, it's kind of complicated, but the main thing is like perspective and right changing the perspective is the the key to close-up photography i think because when you shoot downward at something the ground is the background or the or the the surface it's sitting on but when you drop your camera low then the the background can become anything you you've you've changed that relationship in this case it's a piece of uh it's a piece of this this gasket material i found at the auto parts store that's made of cork with little rubber pieces embedded in it. Oh, so nice. it's like brown, black speckles Yeah, and they're all sitting on it. And then I just, uh, I unrolled it. It's a roll about a foot by two feet. And so it's rolling up behind it like a infinity sweep. And it gives a really cool gradation in the light without, without uh, any difficulty. Yeah. And they're out of focus because they're so far yeah. behind the bullets, but they still have that tonal change. It feels, I don't know cloudy but that's still not the right maybe it's it feels like photoshop rendered clouds <laughs> it's right. almost what it feels like <laughs> it's still better right. than that though thanks well good yeah uh, oh and then of course the knives you you did the knives a uh, set of knives the one we saw you mentioned where you the picture of you bent over uh but then of course we have the picture here at the end and it was the starting picture too where the three knives are laying on that fur of that elk and they're just coming, coming out real nice. I happen to love that orange one. The, the yeah, orange is a particular, I like that color. Yeah. Which is also a really hard color to photograph. Yeah. But it, <laughs> the, the camera sensors don't do really great with that color. <laughs> well, yeah, it kind of oh, yeah. falls in the middle between, you know, red and green needing to have a little bit yeah. of green to come in to bring in that orange. Just right. It, uh, right. It, it, right. It, and if, if you've not studied RGB colors, and you're just like, 
wait, green. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's cool. Um, one other thing is that, like, I used a macro lens, but I could have as easily used just a zoom lens. There's, you know, you can you can get closer to something and focus on it, or you can zoom in and focus on it yeah. and get very similar effects without buying anything additional. You could do this with your 55 to 200 millimeter lens that came with your camera from Costco. Yeah. Now it will change your perspective too of the image that you're capturing because with that lens, you're probably going to be physically further away. And so it does change that a little bit, but otherwise, you know, and that is a perspective of the relationship that your subject has with its background. But yes, Otherwise, yeah, you're you're going to have a very similar approach and that's I think what you were getting at there. Yeah, and it's, especially in my house, it's good because it it reduces the size of backdrop that I need. Reduce yes. it, it reduces the size of the background required to enclose my subject. You know, if I'm if I'm if I use a 50 millimeter lens and and I focus closely on something I I need like a 2 foot wide backdrop behind it. Right. If I use a hundred millimeter lens, let's I'm, 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 this is not a real number. Now I need only a one foot backdrop behind it. You know, like just zooming in reduces the size of the background behind your light. Yeah. Like your picture showing up right here. You can use a very small backdrop when you've, when you're using a tighter lens. Now this is a 50. So we're going to transition now. And I don't want to truncate you if there's anything else that you wanted to finish up on this before we shift to to my shot uh certainly let us have it no i'm excited yeah let's check it out all right so i posted this picture in the facebook group the master photo facebook group of a little bit of my setup and the thing i wanted to do here was well quite frankly it's multifaceted um i did want to try something new that was just part of the whole ordeal here and really, this has been a desire of mine probably for months now. And I'm all thinking, I'll just do it in the summer. I'll do it in the summer. <laughs> you know, when I, I've got the full use of the studio at the school that I could use, and I'll do it in the summer because I don't have anything else to do in the summer, right? Well, the fact that I have the same idea. Yeah, <laughs> I've had the same idea too to try this exact kind of a setup. I, I really wanted to try this. And so I was just like, well, you know, why don't I work a little extra hard? Because, you know, the university went completely online. Uh, For us right now, the only first four weeks of the quarter, we're fully expecting to go the rest of the quarter and not be coming back to campus. But we just don't know yet. Uh, I was like, why don't I just work a little extra hard and get, you know, work a little extra ahead and get all these things online so the students can have it. It's all perfectly sequenced, et cetera. And then I'll have some time in my schedule to where I can do this shoot here at home. And hopefully this is in, is a little bit inspirational for people to figure out things what they can do. Well, of course, in the time frame that I made the decision to do this, I see all sorts of other people saying, well, let's do macro at home. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess we're just joining in a big party. Macro is the thing to talk about. But right. here's the story basically behind my thing. So what I wanted to do was I went to Walmart and I just bought some cheap flowers. It was like four bucks for this little bunch of flowers. And then it was like two bucks for that little vase. And the reason I had to buy a vase is because we've packed all our vases because we were hoping to move. <laughs> and so 50% of our worldly goods are in storage right now. And so I was like, yeah, I'll spend two bucks on a vase. So oh, yeah. 
that's where this is. But, you know, I didn't even get the vase in the shot. So whatever, that's fine. <laughs> but I knew I needed a background. And I was just like, well, I'll do something on my printer because I've got this printer that prints 13 by 19. And I'll just print something green and it'll feel like a natural background in the image. And quite frankly, I think it totally does. If I were to switch over here to Lightroom and, you know, bring this image up full, full frame, uh, full, full view, I guess there was a little something here. You can see at the bottom, the cereal <laughs> box is kind of coming through. <laughs> I did kind of mess up a little bit. I can easily crop that a little bit. Um, you know, this image, no prop. Well, I got another a uh, couple of pixels worth of Cheerios <laughs> cereal box coming through. See, but, that's the 50 millimeter lens problem. <laughs> right, exactly. But that's also why I chose the 50 because I wanted to use the Cine lens. This is a very yeah. complicated thing <laughs> because I want to try something new. Okay, so a Cine lens, that's going to be very new for me. I've never shot one of these before. They're made a little differently and that's a, partly why I wanted to do it. But then I was thinking too, I was like, well, which one do I get? Sigma has a really nice 85 millimeter and they've got the 50 millimeter and then they had a 50 to 100 zoom. And I was just like, oh, the zoom would be kind of cool. But I decided I'm just going to go straight 50 millimeter. So I got the Sigma Cine 50 millimeter T 1.5 and yeah. the T more, stand, more or less stands for transmission. So it's about a measurement of the transmission of light. It's not necessarily about the actual opening of the lens itself, although they're highly similar. Uh, in right. fact, the, can the camera recognizes, when I set it to T4, let's say, the camera just recognizes it as F4. So they're basically oh, the right. same idea, but still, I know there's, those of you that are into video, you're probably going to be able to tell me precisely what the issue is and whatnot, and I would welcome that, but I just know there is there's a difference between the way they measure it for video and the way that we talk about it in a traditional photography sense. Right. So the opening of this lens is uh, it takes the 82 millimeter filter, but the barrel is 95 and every every lens in this class is standardized at 95, which is kind of nice, too. So when you're shooting your movies or whatever, you if you were to have items that were to be you know, mounted, whether it's a mat box or whatever else, you have that standard size. And so that also interests me, although let's face it, it's huge and heavy. It's huge and heavy. Yeah. yeah. So this is does, not does it autofocus. And it's totally manual focus. Yeah. And the aperture is completely manual. It's not like your normal lens where it's always open when you're doing your live view or your, you know, through your viewfinder, whatever. And then when it takes the picture, a little lever fires and stops down that lens just for picture taking. The Cine lens is not that way. You turn that dial, it chops down that yeah. that um, that aperture. And so I, I looked really closely into it, and I was just you know watching it as I turned it. It was like that's so mesmerizing. But yeah, <laughs> so I wanted to do a Cine lens because. They tend to have less vignetting across the field when they're wide open yep. and they tend to have less or eliminated focus breathing. So I thought, well, I'll just, I have not done any research on this lens. I, I just wanted to have a, a, a an ignorant point of view, as it were, <laughs> from my experience. I just wanted to totally try it brand new. So if anyone's out there listening and saying, well, that lens, this, that lens, that, I, my purpose was to just go in blind and to just 
see what it is and see what it's about. And that's, that's where I'm coming from. Right on. So I was like, okay, I want to do this on the kitchen table so that I can have closer working distances. I better get the 50. And so that's why I chose the 50 versus the 85. Although in, after working with it today, probably could have handled the 85. No problem. Yeah, you could put the cereal boxes a little farther back. Yeah, you know? my table's big so, enough. I, I don't think we mentioned either for those listening. Like you've got cereal boxes with a photograph taped to them. Yeah, and your cereal boxes are your backdrop stand. <laughs> yeah, so I printed off this picture uh, from Hong Kong. I went to this uh, natural nature park in Hong Kong, and for some reason, I got a. Oh, picture. I've been there. You have? <laughs> yeah, nice. The one way up northwest of the territory, right yeah. across the bay from Shenzhen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a gorgeous place. Yeah, absolutely. So for some reason, I took a picture of these flowering plants without any of the flowers in them. And it's just the stem (laughs) in the background. And I have a feeling if I were to look back at it, I was probably planning on doing a panoramic type shot. But Uh, I was like, oh, that's perfect. It's green. It's multi-hued greens and all that stuff. It's perfect. Yeah. So I just like, I'll (laughs) open up in Photoshop. And then what I did was I sized it to 13 by 19 so I could print it full paper. And then I put a, made it into a smart object so I could apply a smart filter and I literally blurred it. So yep. it would feel like it was further behind a little more out of focus rather yeah. than fully in focus. And so I did two levels of blurring. And then I also did two different levels of brightness. So the standard and then I darkened it a little bit because I was just like, I don't know what this is going to be like. So I printed four total <laughs> items. I think you might also find that you could print at a much lower quality oh, definitely. without affecting the quality of your photo. Definitely. And, and, you know, use less ink. <laughs> I, well, I don't know about that, but I did print at 150 pixels per inch and I usually print at a much higher resolution when I'm going for that really yeah. nice yeah. stuff, uh, really nice image. Uh, I'll, I'll print higher, but I was like, it's going to be blurry. I just need 150. And so I printed those out, brought them into the kitchen and started setting it up. And I was like, I'm just going to use cereal boxes, a little bit of gaffer's tape. And then I created a little bit of a V with those cereal boxes. So it keeps the print going straight up. And so you can see that in the picture and totally no problems. It worked great with the exception of those few images we've already seen where where I got the bottom of the honey nut Cheerios and a little bit of golden honey color was coming through at the bottom of it. (laughs) But I also decided to leave. There's also on this wooden table, there's this white, uh, this white material. That's basically Mm, our little slim padding that's underneath our tablecloth. And that keeps the liquid. If you, you know, we have four boys liquid is going to get spilled. (laughs) So it protects the table a little bit. So I was like, I'm just going to leave that there because I want that to shine some light back up. Yeah, And so I've got the Godox with the flash, the Godox softbox with the flash. And then on the camera left, uh, there's a bank of windows. And by the time I finally got shooting, it was a little bit later in the day. So we get this, the early morning light flooding into the kitchen here. And so it was about 10 o'clock when I started shooting. And so for the most part, it wasn't coming straight in, but those were still a nice soft light coming in. And so it made a really nice setup. I knew it would be a nice setup with those windows and the flash coming in from the other side. So that's the basic story of setting it up. And now we can transition ourselves to Lightroom. 
and we can look at some of these images and what's going on here. So I've scrolled down on the on the side over here so we can see which lens. So this is that 50 millimeter TF1 or T1.5. And I've only highlighted, I've only selected a few of them here because these were the ones that had something specific I wanted to talk about. Um, on this next frame, if I can, there we go, click into that. So here we have basically a, a comparison. So we saw the, the lens changed here. We're now on the, the Canon uh, 24 to 70, but I set it to 50 millimeters. And the reason I certainly want to do that was just so I could compare head to head these two lenses. And so yeah. they're both at F11. They're both at 160th of a second and largely the same framing, but you know, just slightly different. I must've bumped something or something somewhere, but the, the biggest thing I wanted to try out was just after I'm able to analyze these exactly, what are the differences? What are, is there a benefit to the lens? What, you know, the cine lens versus versus not, um, you know, if I were to zoom in on this and look at it one-to-one, -one, we can see that depth of field is definitely razor thin uh, oh, yeah. uh, on this particular, even at F11, it's just razor yeah. thin. And I mean, that's kind of in intriguing and enticing. You know, I would assume it's going to be as razor thin here, but obviously I focused on a different location in, in this shot. Um, but it's also just interesting to see, mm -hmm. you know, how the fringes yeah. happen and, and whatnot between the two lenses uh, and what's going on there. Now, this shot, I did not also shoot with a cine lens, but I liked how I was getting these stems. I was just like, oh, I'm going to grab that real quick. Uh, again, yeah. did not notice the cereal box. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny how how the thing catches you? Like, the thing you're, and I find it especially true in close-up photography, is that the the thing I'm photographing fills my mind and yes. my view so much yes. that I, I miss the corners a lot more often than I do in portraiture or, or landscapes. Um, yeah. I know. I, I wish I knew why that was because whenever I'm shooting anything else, I am all about the border. I gotta make yeah. sure that there's nothing yeah. intruding, nothing kissing the border because right. it's just going to ruin the image. And here, yeah, I was all like, this is so beautiful. And it's <laughs> probably just because it's such a, a, I don't shoot macro that much. And I have this new lens that I'm using. Right. I'm like a kid in the candy store, you know, and it's just, I don't know that that's, that's the only thing I can come up with for why I, I did that. And I, I find it more true too on a DSLR than on a, a mirrorless camera. Like I, I feel like I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like with a DSLR, it's easier to, to miss that. And I was, <laughs> I was shooting in the live view, setting everything up in live view. And you know, what's inter oh, yeah. interesting on the Canon uh, because, um, you know, because of the way that lens works, I have to constantly go back and forth, you know, increase the ISO, open it all the way up. So the right. light shows me what so, I can, yeah. you know, what I can see. And then I'm stopping it back down, turning off live view. So the flash will fire and then, right. and then getting that shot. Uh, this next shot, I went horizontal and the reason I want to do this, and again, you can see that background. I mean, to me, I think that background is just gorgeous. Yeah, but, it's not bad. Uh, the color's perfect. You know, if I need to swing green one way or the other, that's fine. But, you know, it's a multi-hued green with different highlights and whatever else. Um, I probably need to balance it a little more with the foreground, but I can totally do that. 
Uh, so this it's not bad at all. So here we have uh, two different shots from these two different lenses. So this one is the is the uh, the Canon lens versus the um, the Sigma lens. And what I ended up doing here was I wanted to use this as a focus stack practice because that was the biggest right. thing I wanted to try where the cine lenses are supposed to have less focus breathing. And which makes a big difference in focus stacking. Which can make a huge difference. So um, now I'm showing all the images and what I wanted to look at was as I moved the focus point, I'll just do a few of them. I'm not going to do the whole whole string of images. But as I move the focus point, you know, if we were to look at some of these items in the background, how much do they come in on the edge as, as they're kind of flirting with the edge? And we can see there's a little bit, right? There's just a tiny amount of that focus breathing happening with the Sigma lens, where when we go with the Canon lens, so we take that one and let's compare it with another one. I think we have a tiny amount more. I think it'll get more and more as you go farther back. And then too, as you pour, and as you go that's back, that's been my experience. Yeah, yeah. But another thing I want to point out in this experience is it was so much more easy, and I can't really emphasize that enough. It was it was just amazing to me how easy it was to get those tiniest of steps between the focus points as I'm shooting the Sigma. Because yeah. it's got such a wide radius of turn from the closest focusing that the lens does to the furthest focusing that the lens does. It's like 270 degrees or something like that. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's a long, really long rotation to go the full distance. And it's just so well geared and so smooth. It's so easy to get these tiniest of increments. I'm not saying that the Canon lens is difficult to do that. It's just a much nicer experience on the Sigma for sure. And getting those tiny increments, because that's another thing on that focus stacking, you really want those tiny increments so you can get everything in focus with your depth of field and you don't have any gaps. Because that's another thing. You're just going to get gaps sometimes where right. between this one frame and the next frame, you missed a part. And then your focus stack is messed up. It just looks weird because this little slice in the middle is out of focus and everything else is in focus. Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, like uh, an autofocus lens is designed to autofocus and it, it manual focuses for emergencies. <laughs> That's yes. When I was outside photographing the daffodil, I had left that lens on autofocus, even though I also had the, um, the extension tube attached and I was then trying to manual focus and it, that lens has a clutch in it to where it allows you to do right. that, but it didn't like it. I kept doing it and I felt it kind of jittering in my hands. I was like, what's going on? Did I break the lens? <laughs> oh, I got autofocus on. So I flipped that off. It's all good. But I, yeah, I just thought that was kind of, kind of funny how that ended up. Should have gone AFC. Probably should have. <laughs> yes, I did. You know, uh, don't know why I didn't. <laughs> that that probably well, would have saved next time. It'll, it'll, you'll remember it you'll yeah. remember to try it yeah so. I'll be doing this over the course of the next couple of days uh, the lens goes back on Wednesday so I'll be doing some more shoots and uh, when it comes to shooting with the Canon lens I'll definitely try out some of the AFC because uh, especially with the wind blowing and, and the like uh, it might just save my bacon on that so, so well, that, and I, like just looking even even at your screen through the internet onto my screen yeah 
I think the Sigma looks better. I think the the Cine lens looks better. Yeah, you like that. So this one, I, this look here. I do. There, there are some things about it, I, and maybe it comes down to that chroma, the chromatic aberration on the edges, or the or the bokeh. There's something. Yeah. So I really haven't nice about it. I really haven't compared the chromatic aberration. So let's take a quick look. So this one, uh, we, we saw that fringe on the last one, and. Yeah, so see, you know, the the focus points might be a little bit different, but we still have a fairly strong item here on the yeah, Canon and, lens. And here, and look in there, it's like the it's like the focus is just like like you said, it's got less distortion across the whole image. I mean, it's a it's a wide lens, and it's it's probably actually projecting a picture much bigger than your sensor. Yes, you know, I forget what got, the size it is, sweet center. but the yeah. it, it did talk about the image circle and how big it was. I, I forget what that was, though, at this time. Uh, like this, the center of your lens is always the best part. Yeah. And and it's got a much bigger best part. Well, and that's why I took these shots. I, I photographed just oh, the yeah. side of the house in full shade. And that and so these two here are both lenses. Oh, yeah. Look at okay, that difference F, with the fin heading. F8 and... Uh, let's get back to the library here. So this is with the Canon, and then this is also f8 with the with the um, with the Sigma, and so this is where you know getting down here. Since I was pretty much equal, shall we say, uh, yeah. in the settings, this was going to be my sharpness test. So here we are down in the corner. Uh, we got this little crack in the in the siding, and here we are on the Canon. Once it paints its it does feel a lot sharper on that Sigma. And even though we're at yeah. F8 at 50 millimeters on the Canon, there's, there's something else with the Sigma. I'm almost surprised at the extra sharpness that we're getting. Now let's take a look in the center here at this knot or whatever that is in the center. I'm almost surprised a little bit um, only because now there's obviously, this is not a fair comparison because this is a zoom lens that I'm comparing on the Canon. Versus, right, versus a right. prime lens but i was a little bit nervous and again this is my ignorance coming into this whole thing and where i'm trying something new but i'm also just wondering did they sacrifice the image quality of the lens because let's face it video quote unquote doesn't need as much quote unquote resolution to come through <laughs> on the lens for it to resolve yeah. the image well and here you know we're kind of looking at it and saying at least on this test it's, I think, a bit superior. And yeah. if there's anything, I don't know if I'm going to be able to compare chromatic aberration. Well, I think I think they're all connected. You know, like it's sharper and related to that is the chromatic aberration and the vignetting and yeah, the yeah. resolution. And it's just like you can't you can't just choose one thing better. Right. <laughs> when you make a, a better lens. And I think the vignetting is is better even at F8. Definitely at F8. This is what's interesting here. So this particular one here is F4. And then here's yep. the Canon at F4. Oh, yeah. You can even see the barrel distortion change in the corners, too. Yeah. And and then, um, of course, the Sigma goes out to 1.5, or the, the camera will recognize it as F1.4. We do definitely have the vignetting coming yeah. in at the wide open. So in that case, as far as you know, hearing about the idea of the vignetting just isn't as big of a deal. It's it's really even across the whole frame when you're wide open. At least for this lens, that's not the case. It does have so, this uh, yeah. some vignetting, but 
even the Canon, this particular Canon at F4 is worse vignetting. Definitely. Yeah. And then when, and like, when you get the six stark difference yeah. between center and edges. And then when you get the Sigma to F4, like any lens is going to happen, you get the Sigma to F4, the vignetting is very well controlled. And yeah. I'm, I don't know that I can claim this particular shot as something that I would be able to test and measure with a surety exactly what the vignette, you know, a value is, but it's obvious when you get it wide open that there's some severe or at least noticeable vignetting. Noticeable. Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't really call this severe. The Canon right. is slightly worse, but yeah, this is noticeable, but it's not bad. And I mean, like that's a nitpicking test, you know, like it doesn't really matter in real life for, for me making a fun picture and having a great experience with my lens. <laughs> True. It's just nice to know what we're dealing with nice for to, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and at least when I'm testing something, I like to be nitpicky. So I know what the limits are and Definitely. I know I mean, that's what you're doing. You're testing. Yeah. I'm just yeah. testing. And, and, and I know not only the limits, but then be, because of that, I think I'll, I'll be able to, to make better decisions on the, on the pictures that I'm taking and what the lens can excel at and the fact that it does so well at sharpness in the corners i'm really liking that so like when i go out my plan is to go out to some local areas Uh, i've got two places i'm planning on going one of them i'll go to tomorrow afternoon and i'm planning on doing a a few b-roll type items and just kind of make a little you know quasi vignette of a video uh, about these locations and i'll just bring this lens only probably although it'll be tempting to test against the other one but anyway (laughs) <laughs> just the fact that you know i've got the cine lens and i want to uh play with it more for what it does where it excels uh it could be a lot of fun to to try some landscapes with yeah. this and and get some real quote unquote shots coming through where i'm not purely just playing cuz right now with this shoot i feel like i'm just really playing with it yeah but you you definitely shouldn't buy it no it's $3500 <laughs> Well, plus, <laughs> then you can't blame your gear anymore. Like, if you make oh, a bad picture, right. you got the best gear. There's nothing left. Okay. I mean, it, yeah. it is all your fault. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, it does. It kind of makes me want to not shoot that Canon glass anymore because you that, know. I was going to say you shouldn't have done this with a lens that you already own. Even at 50 millimeters, <laughs> you know that's supposed to be like the sweet spot of the lens, and at f8. This one is still, of course, it's a prime. It's always going to, almost always going to win out, but still. Yeah. All right. So I shot uh, some, some daffodils. Uh, so just some close-ups daffodils here. are such good subjects. I love, yeah, those little intricacies. And yeah. oh my goodness. It's just, when you get in, and so these are outdoors now. Open shade in, the, in my front lawn. Uh, if you were to drive by, uh you'd be able to see me. Although my wife came home, she went to the grocery store and then she comes out like a half hour later after she unloaded the van. Where have you been? I was like, I've been here the whole time, (laughs) (laughs) but I wanted to show some, uh, what's interesting when I shoot video, it doesn't, uh, it changes the metadata and it doesn't show the fact that this is on that lens. And that's, I I wish it would record that. Why doesn't it do that? So anyway, Um, I'm just going to scrub through the video because I don't want the sound to play, but, um, as I'm kind of going, you know, this is just the wind 
Okay, yeah. this, the sound is still kind of playing. <laughs> I, I think you can tell. I can't hear your sound, but I think you can still tell, even in video, that it's a high-quality lens. Yeah. yeah. I wish there was a way that I could mute the sound through... Is there a settings button? Uh, through Lightroom. I don't see how to do that yeah, here in Lightroom. I don't think so. Oh well, we'll live with it. It's all right. And, and um, I can't hear it. I don't, I don't I don't think anybody'll really pick up on it. So. Yeah. Well, the recording that's that this is going to go on Facebook, it's going to come through in that. So anyway, um I just wanted to get this with a little bit of the wind kind of blowing and yeah. uh to see how it does and whatnot. Again, just playing with it, seeing how it goes. Uh this image, this video that I'm moving towards I did something a little different. Now these are, this is also with the extension tube and we haven't really focused on that much. We haven't talked about that much. Um, but my goodness, these, yeah, these focus pulls that I was able to do. So, so delicious. Now this is one that moves with the wind. So let me get, let me get to another one where I then go ahead. A good tip for, for listeners on this would be if, if you are going to photograph or or film close-ups, shoot it at the fastest shutter speed you're not shutter speed but um recording like frames per second yeah that your camera will like if most of our cameras will do at least 60 fps right 60p and that's something i need to go back and do because my standard is to do um is to do the 24 right now this one right here that we're looking at when i'm on the 5d mark 4 and i switch it to 4k it crops in yeah. on the scene a little bit. And so that's what we're looking at right. here. But then I use this device called a plamp and now they just call it, I think a plant clamp, uh, but it's by Wimberly. <laughs> Amazon sells it and it's my doodad. So I'll, we'll talk about it more in a little bit, but I'm holding it still. And so yeah. now the wind doesn't blow. And as you can see here, as I'm scrubbing through that video, the focus pulls, Oh, so delicious <laughs> i just i was having so much fun getting these and all these little things coming in and out of focus and then right when we get to this area where the very back of the flower is in focus it's so abstract and there's just amount tiny amounts of items that wants to be detailed but they're way in the back and then everything else is just this cloudy mess of color yeah i was <sighs> I'm sitting there at the camera, just like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> I just yeah. couldn't believe it. And I, I must have done, I don't know how many I did. I must have done seven of these. I it, it was <laughs> with either, you know, one with one lens, switch it out to the other lens, go back and forth with different compositions. I was having so much fun. This was just so amazing. So incredibly awesome. That's great. That's great. So that That's really was fun. what I did today. Uh, we We actually didn't talk much about this whole what these these items that i'm using it's the uh extension tubes and so the extension tubes if you don't have a macro lens that's why you know one of the things i wanted to do i i I started out by saying i wanted to do something different and so a cine lens is definitely different for me i've done macro shoots with these extension tubes before but to throw the cine lens on the extension tube that just brings a whole new a whole new thing to the whole to whole experience because all of a sudden you're adding this dead space basically between the camera and your lens 
Right. And all you're doing is you're causing the lens to focus more closely. You know, we talked about macro lenses, how yeah. they're designated macro. They have that capability built in to where they can focus really, really close. And this just gives your lens the opportunity to do that. Now, the problem I had, I did switch over and I was using this, the Canon uh, 2470. The F4 is one I have that also has the image stabilization. It has a little button you can push and then you twist it past 70 and it turns it into what they call a macro mode. I kind of call it pseudo macro because, you know, it doesn't get you the true yeah. one to ones. But again, you get really, really close. When I turned it to that location and I was really, really close on it, I was able to get so close to the flower. It was literally touching the front element of my lens. Right. Right. And I'm using this plant clamp thing to move it and to hold it into position. And I can just see it kind of sort of mopping across the front as it, you know, there's these, <laughs> these things are just swerving back and forth. And I was just like, that's kind of funny. <laughs> you know, around, uh, we, we both live in, in farm country and right down the street from me, there's a company that rents bees. Like they, they take their bees out to, oh, to yeah. farms. And yeah. I think we ought to rent photographers as pollinators. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> We can we can just go out there and and rub all the all the flowers with our lenses. That's and, right. And really, just good from, from <laughs> just make sure we do the whole field now. That's right. New photo tour in the Palouse. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Help, help the uh, yeah help help the farmers help the whatevers by pollinating through right. macro photography. We'll we'll offset the cost of the tour. There you go. <laughs> oh boy. So so yes. Um, the the extension tube that was certainly a lifesaver for me because I just couldn't do this without it uh, being able to focus so closely on it and and that's pretty much it. Did you get the tubes that have autofocus included or or are they just dumb tubes? Yep, I have them. They they transfer the aperture data and then they can also transfer the focus data if I were to turn oh, nice. on autofocus. So yeah, those are the ones I have. I do have a set yeah. of dumb tubes. And then I have another set for the Sony a6400 that I have. Um, I don't have as long of tubes for that one, but, um, you know, that's fine. Uh, they're, they're such an inexpensive way to, to turn any lens into a macro lens. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, even if you are thinking, well, my lens isn't that good or anything like that, just know, you know, that center part of your, of your lens is the best part. And that's the part that you're magnifying. So those edges, you know, if you're concerned about your edges blocking out or, or you know, dropping out on you in, in the quality, that's not a big deal because you're able to you're you're able to get that finally recorded. Uh, the, the finer part of the lens is recorded because you're just effectively cropping out those outer edges of the lens. And and like the the smart ones with autofocus built in are. Are a little more expensive, but the the cheap ones are cheap. Now you can also use lenses on the front of your lens. Have you tried those? I a long time ago I have a long time ago. They can be fun. They're also inexpensive. I I like the extension tubes better. Yeah, because you're not you're not placing inferior glass in front of really good glass. Yeah, because <laughs> those things you know they're probably going to cost you twenty bucks, and that's just right. really inferior glass. So if you and you'll you'll end up with dust in between every oh, one of, yes. of the layers of filters on there too. Yep. Uh, 
but yeah, the, the, the tubes just that like, there's all it is, is like an, an extension tube. It's just a circle ring yeah. and there's no glass in the middle. Yeah. So it's really good. Now the thing about them is that you can't focus far. You can no. only focus close. So if something cool happens across the field, you have to take it off and put your lens back on before you can focus more than, you know, three feet away. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And the, the greater the length of your extension tube, the more closely focused you're going to get. So yeah, if, and then it also, if you have a wider angle lens, you just can't do a very long extension tube because right. I remember doing it with a wide angle, like a 17 millimeter one time. And I was literally focusing on dust on the inside of the lens. Yeah. And it was a really small focus or extension tube. Uh, so with today's where I was having it touch, literally touch the glass, even at 70 millimeters, I was using a 36 millimeter extension tube. And that's what caused me to need to get that close to it in order for it to, yeah. to, um, I guess, behave, you know, to actually get it in focus. That's wild. It is. Now, one last thing on using extension tubes under quote, shall we say normal circumstances what I like to do is I like to set the focus on the lens to about the mid range of whatever that focus dimensions are on the lens. And then I will position my camera and then I will focus with my zoom ring to achieve rough yeah. focus. <laughs> and then I'll achieve fine tune focus with the focus ring itself. So that, that seems weird to say you're going to focus with your zoom ring, but that's how you do it. And then, of course, move it closer, move it further back with depending on, you know, the framing that you want. But your initial rough focus is achieved with that zoom ring. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a cool thing. And it can be really frustrating that you can't find the focus and it may be inside the lens and it may just be yeah. a little farther or, or just closer than you're thinking of. Yeah, the longer it, it lens you have. World. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it just opens a whole new world for oh, you too. Yes. And the longer lens you have, the more working distance from your subject you're going to have. So just keep that right. in mind too. Right. It's, it's, it's funny too, how, um, when you're sitting there shooting and you're making all these cool compositions and things, you don't notice how many spider webs are all over that flower and yeah. how many, like I've, I found the spider inside of an iris flower. Yeah that I didn't even see when I was shooting the whole time. And it's, you know, it's the color of pollen and it's in there waiting for nice. pollinators to come in. Nice. And, uh, but there's so many cobwebs, like take a, take a little paintbrush with you and, and dust off your flower and you'll probably have a, a happier experience on the computer. Otherwise you're, you're going to see a lot of imperfections yeah. uh, compared to florist flowers. Well, yeah. Like the, like the video we just went through all of those dark dots on the edge of the petals. Oh, you know, yeah. that was something that I just don't normally, I guess you can say, think to look at or think to pay attention to. And they're, they're there. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's, that's just crazy stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, those, look at all that. Those dots. Yeah. All right. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's wrap this up. We do have everybody, we do have a photo contest that we want you to consider entering. And the prizes are a 30 minute mentoring session with me and really a mentoring session. We can talk about whatever photography related you want to talk about. If you want to do something post-production, you want to talk about composition and the like, really the only thing I would say I'm not probably the strongest in is anything, you know, 
portrait related. I mean, I teach portraits and whatnot, but if you're looking for advancement and like, then you would choose a 30 minute met- mentoring session with Connor because he's also offering one. And then there's one with Brian as well. And Erica Kay, she's offering a business mentoring, photography business mentoring. And then Jeff, he is offering an editing session. So 30 minutes of editing guidance, whatever, again, questions you have, uh, it's, it's, it's up to you on those ideas. So you have a chance to have your image make the top 10 of all entries as well. The top 10 will be shared to the Facebook group and in the show notes. And then we'll talk about those in a future episode as well. And a chance to have your image selected as the best entered and to come on the show with us. So the only ones of, shall we say, of merit winnings, shall we say, is are those last two bulleted items. And then everyone who shares an image in the Match Photography Contest Flickr group will be entered to win. So you do have to create a Flickr account to enter. So there is that kind of restriction, I guess you could say. And we hope that it's a little more accessible than Facebook for some. So the rules of the of the show, the, the rules of the contest, you have to create an image between uh, 319 and 419. So from March and April 19, 2020. And you have to share the image to Flickr. And so the the address is in the show notes. And that group is fully public, though. So we are asking you guys, since, you know, any random schmo could come in and put something in there. We want you to tag it with the hashtag creative juices. And that (laughs) way we know that you're a listener. If you're specifically putting that in, we know you're a listener and you're either here on the podcast or you're in the podcast group because that's the only places where we're talking about that hashtag. But the hashtag is critical you won't be entered without that hashtag. And you can only share one photo per day, please. Flickr will restrict you to that. So that's not something that we're controlling. So that's, I guess, kind of good. I don't know. And certainly keep those images safe for work. Hopefully you know what that means. If you don't, you can look it up or you can ask any of us. <laughs> we'll be happy to tell you. All right. Not that any of us are at work. No. <laughs> Let, we're going to pretend. <laughs> We're that we're at work on this one for sure. And and the boss is looking over our shoulder. <laughs> All right. So for our doodads, I already talked about mine a little bit, the plamp uh, or plant clamp by Wimberly. It's about $43. It's on Amazon. It's just an item that you can clamp to your tripod leg. And then it has this articulating arm and something that can grab the, it can grab the plant or whatever it is you're trying to manipulate. And then you can move it, you can control it, and it just really helps cut down on the wind movement. So what do you have for us? It looks like you have a couple of items there, Levi. I've got a, I've got a couple items for you. Um, the platypod, of course, I, I think I, I feel like I talk about that one all the time, but it's uh, a great way to get your camera on level with stuff, especially when you're doing tabletop macro so that you don't have to m- mess around with raising all three legs of a tripod and, and moving things around. If you want to raise a tripod or a platypod, you just grab an extra cereal box there you and go. put it on top of a cereal box <laughs> or a book or, or whatever. And it's, so it's super easy to, to get adjustable stuff, but they also make goosenecks, which plug into your platypod. They just have a quarter 20 screw on them. And then you can attach lights to the other end, or you could attach a, a clamp or, uh, speed light or something on the other end of this gooseneck and then position it. It's like a, a stiff wire kind of thing with our 
articulating movement and you can you can position it any which way and so i use those with my loom cubes which are the other thing um, all the time to get lights in the in a great spot on my close-up stuff so i'd recommend those and then junk mail Yay. hang on to your junk mail because <laughs> you can use it as reflectors in your close-up work um and then my my last thing would be the lens baby lenses the the edge series of lenses and also the velvet i think that the velvet lenses from lens baby the velvet 85 or the velvet 56 give you 90 percent of the feel of that cine lens for oh, wow. like 500 bucks <laughs> they've got such a great focus ring that allows you to throw in and out like that you can add tubes they're they're just so well made and they are the sharpest lenses i've ever used and uh for a lot less money you could get a long way towards that feel of a of a high quality lens that that really moves nicely so very cool. so check those out very cool and then the, and the edge of course allows you to tilt and change the the focal plane so that's really cool yeah it sounds like that velvet series might beat out the uh sigma cinna because you know i had mentioned before that's thirty five hundred dollars us yeah that is not a cheap lens yeah i haven't looked at the price on the velvet lately but i know they're well under a thousand okay cool <laughs> All right, a few reminders for you, and that is the home of the show is masterphotographypodcast.com. And please check out our Facebook group as well. You're welcome to ask to join it. And you just have to have the name of one of the hosts, and that is me uh, for sure. My name is Brent. Uh, you could put in Levi if you wanted. That would also work. You can also put in Connor, Brian, Erica, or Jeff. That would be fantastic as well. And then for Levi, where can we find you online? Oh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at photo Levi and at outdoors Levi. And uh, you can, yeah, find me on Facebook. I, I answer inquiries or whatever. You can, I, I respond. All right. <laughs> it's always good to have people respond. Absolutely. <laughs> And then you can find my work at my website, brentbergherm.com and latitudephotographypodcast.com. And then, of course, on Instagram, just find me at my name, Brent Bergherm. And then I've got a YouTube channel there. Uh, you can just search for me there on, on the YouTube and you'll see a few things. And this shoot that I did in the kitchen, that will eventually be on YouTube. That's probably going to happen over the next week or so because there's quite a bit of video that I did. And I recorded... Even the video, the the live view feed out of the Canon, so I could talk through exactly what was happening as I was seeing it on camera. Oh, nice! So I had yeah, I had my computer there with my HDMI capture card, and I was doing all that. So it's going to get really detailed once I'm able to put that all together. Right on. Yeah. Hey, I I forgot to mention I I write regularly at photofocus.com as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, good. And that's the the article that we. Uh, looked at as well as uh, is over there on PhotoFocus. All right. Thanks so much, Levi, for being here. Really appreciate you spending the time with me talking about all these fun things, macro photography related. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's go find something to photograph oh, here. Yes, we need to do that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you again in another seven days. Mm -hmm.